Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsparts.ie. And together we are the Raw Pet Medics. <laughs> Hi guys. So <laughs> Welcome, uh, I'm Brendan Clark. Uh, we're with you tonight, two thirds of Royal Pet Medics. Uh, yep. Nick's in flight at the moment to somewhere sunny. So uh, yes. uh, he's hopefully going to join us next week and just tell yeah. us how glorious it was. What's been happening with you this week? Uh, it's grand. Uh, what's been happening? I just feel mad busy at the moment. I just have an awful lot on. Um, anything in particular? No. But if I look back over the last few days, is anything special happened? No. Couple of little interesting bits happening. There's a, um, I was talking to a lady who knows more about probiotic, probiotic expert of the highest order, a professor in it, and I'm trying to help her with her dog. And she goes, "Yeah, no, this and them. I actually know a bit about probiotic because I'm trying to do a little bit of probiotic bit." And I said, "Oh, all right, good. Okay, so you did a bit of reading." She goes, "Oh, I'm actually a lecturer and I'm a professor." And I'm like, "Oh no, the pressure <laughs> of what somebody says that to you." But I spent about two and a half hours talking to her. It was just so interesting, and um, she, she has so much to teach us. But like, you talk to some, you know, when somebody knows so much about a subject, they're just so humble with it that they just say, "Oh, I know nothing." You really, really just know nothing. And it's like, isn't it mad? Like when you talk to somebody that knows nothing about a subject, they're just adamant that if you take this, this will happen, and everything will be great. And she's like, I just don't know, um, you know, but she was, she was very interested about probiotics. We're using broad spectrum probiotics all the time. So we buy a pack of probiotics and we hope it will work for our dog. And she feels like it's just really moving on very quickly now where each individual subspecies of lactobacillus does a different thing. Which species of lactobacillus have you got? I'm like, I don't know. And uh, so she goes, it's just like we're down at the level of doing, picking off bits of the subspecies of bacteria and doing things with them. And live bits of them, dead bits of them. Uh, and it's like, oh my God, this is just way beyond where I was even comfortable. I was just nodding politely for an hour and a half. It was so interesting. If she's listening, uh, that was phenomenal. I appreciate it. What about you, Brent? Anything, anything interesting happened the last few days for you? Uh, no, it's been howling a, a fully of a gale uh, the last couple of days. Um, it's been, uh, I've just been getting stuck into this, this subject that we've been wanting to do for, for so long. Uh, we get so many questions on uh, this. So it's a bit of a breeder special tonight. Um, yeah. But, you know, so many people want to know what's so special that we have to change the diet just before they give birth. And hopefully we're going to address that tonight. Uh, we want to say a special thank you to Kelly for an enormous amount of hard work, none of yeah. which we're, well, no, some of which we're going to be able to include that we're going to write up for all of you guys on Patreon. So if you want to, yeah you know, see all of that material, please, you know, do follow Patreon. Um, uh, Brent, do you want to start us off with a few thoughts? Where are we on, uh, on, on pregnant bitches feeding pregnant bitches? Yeah, so look, we, we generally split pregnancy into what we call trimesters. So, you know, just as they do with humans, uh, split the pregnancy into three and then consider the various stages at which the pups are going to grow. The middle trimester is actually where you seem to have the most rapid growth and development. Uh, so they talk about definitely increasing uh, the 
uh, amount of calories uh, that you take in on that and the nutrients in that sort of space, if possible. Um, and it sort of helps for those people that have morning sickness and can't really, you know, really struggle through the first trimester. Um, but really getting into that middle trimester and then saying that, yeah, there's still a raised amount. Now, get this. So if you look at the average human and their basal metabolic rate, um, you know, you're going to be looking at, at you know, 50 kilo uh, ladies taking on what nearly 1300 calories a day for sort of just a standard, you know, amount of exercise. You're adding in around 400 calories, okay, if they're pregnant. Okay, in that middle trimester, so not massive. You're not oh, doubling you know. the amount they need, okay, or yeah. anything like that. You know, yeah. it's not like you know suddenly they need five times more food or or anything yeah. like that. You know, it is a reasonable amount, but it's an amount that we just got to be aware of. Bearing in mind the difference between highly active, okay, and barely active, uh, can actually be as as low as that four hundred. Uh, calories anyway. So people have to re realize that, you know, if you're sedentary, you still use quite a number of calories for your normal brain activity and your normal, you know, turnover of cells and everything else. Yeah. So we've got to bear that in mind. But certainly there is an increase in energy requirement and, and that's carried through with Bediaf and AFCO and, you know, the NRC guidance that was given uh, for these. Uh, for, for those guidances for pets, they tend to have simplified it into the first half of pregnancy and the second half of pregnancy. All of you cat lovers out there, cat breeders, you know, this is pretty much the same for cat and dog, okay? So we're not going to go into being very specific, although we love to talk about puppies, we love to talk about kittens, you know, I think if you got too specific, um, it would probably detract from tonight. Uh, so you can pretty much read it for both species, uh, what we're going to talk about um, uh, with that. So we look at increasing energy requirement as they go through pregnancy. People ask me all the time, we're going to talk a little bit about mineral requirements, you know, what do we need to do as far as their calcium, uh, you know, do we need to start supplementing them, uh, etc. We're going to touch a little bit on why that shouldn't be necessary if the diet is right, okay. Um, and so we're going to go uh, through that journey, and then we're going to talk a little bit about why, you know, raw is and, and low levels of carbs and things like that can be much better uh, for your puppies being development, um, and why we need to think about, you know, good fats that are going in, and also thinking about contaminants. And you've got some really great research yeah. on that as well, haven't you? Yeah, uh, and, and what that can do. Yeah, that was actually led by Kelly's Kelly's research. It was, you know, well, you have to get a few ideas from when you look at how um, advice mothers, human mothers are given uh, during pregnancy. And the advice isn't to, you know, eat lots of other processed food and uh, crazy, crazy uh, chemically preserved fats and, you know, and chemical napalm to feel you're good for it. That's not the advice. Fresh food, good quality food, good quality fat, stay away from the crap. It is the advice. It's quite simple, really. And then you, you have to pay attention to a couple of little bits and pieces and folding. But okay, so those sort of things, that's about the basic advice you're given. And you're given nothing for a baby when you think about it. You come home with a baby and it's like, um, hopefully on the boob, and that takes care of a lot of it. And then when she comes off, 
you, you, you have no idea. You're just trying to put things into her. And I'm just, as I keep saying to everybody, Holly's like, whatever. And like when we we look back at the end of a week and we go, has she eaten anything green this week? Because she's going through this furious stage of not eating green things. And I'm like, eat the green things. I've not, I don't know any of the fix. So, you know, that's the way we muddled through with, with our pup. And yet there's some really complicated complications, apparently, when it comes to feeding actual pups. And I don't really believe they're there. I, I seem to be getting more lackadaisy as time goes on. The more I look behind the scenes at what is behind the puppy food, what are the studies behind the puppy food, there is so little knowledge behind those, those tax criteria. First of all, a couple of them are based on pigs, uh, iron and another, another one. Uh, so there are assumptions based on pigs. Then all the vitamin levels are the same for pups and adults. Because of course, we have the same vitamin requirements as if. Uh, so the knowledge behind these studies, and then all the pet foods that are produced on the basis, the basis of these ridiculous um, criteria that they've come with, although they are a guide, they're better than nothing. But the actual science and evidence behind puppy food today, and I'm talking about uh, ultra-processed, you know, magic complete pet food, is woeful, you know. And to be fair, it's not like raw dog food companies are testing their puppy formulas that are starting to come out now as well. Yeah. They're just tested on dogs. They, it is a, it's a, a few tweaks are made where we up the fat count maybe, or you might mulch it a bit more because you think the pups can't handle it eight weeks, which they, most dogs can't. Uh, a couple of little tweaks like that to make the person think that you put a huge amount of thought into it. But there isn't a ginormous difference between puppy food and adult food because we don't have the evidence. But that's where we are on the kind of the puppy end of things. But coming back to the mother stuff, uh, Brent, do you have to change anything in the diet for a pregnant bitch? Like what? Where are you on all that side of things? Somebody comes in and they're a breeder and they want to feed raw. If it comes to groups of foods or anything, do you have to change anything massively? Are you worried about anything there? No, well, look, the thing that I want to establish is have we got a good, healthy gut flora? You know me and gut flora. You know, I love microbiome. That's, that's going to be great for the immune system and great for transition for those pups, you know, our kittens as they come out, because that's what they need to get hold of. And we're going to talk a little bit about cesareans and some things that might need to happen um, if, that, if that goes ahead. Um, and then really just about the food. You know, what is the quality of the food? You know, have they sort of checked that there are certain things in there? So we know that, for instance, folate is great for the neural tube um, formation and you know, the multiplication of cells in those growing fetuses. So we want to make sure that they're getting enough of those various organ mixes within their meat and they're not just getting chicken, okay, uh, yeah. let alone chicken and bone. You know, if they're just getting those, that is not a sufficient diet uh, for these pregnant bitches. So we want to make sure that they're getting a good, you know, sturdy mix of organs, you know, meats, fats, Okay, uh, within that diet uh, to establish that uh, that really good flora, um, we want to make sure that we don't over supplement in some elements. Generally, I'm looking for a good, sturdy, rounded meal where they're at. Monitoring your um, your pet, your your dogs or cats' body condition score coming into that pregnancy, just making sure that they're sustaining a, a really good. Uh, body condition score. They don't want to be overly fat. You know, this is really important here. We don't want things that are going to drive obesity. Don't try and force feed them so that they become fatter, thinking you're doing them a favor. Um, because when it comes to actually giving birth, having an overweight, obese animal is just a, you know, a problem waiting to happen to get those puppies and kittens out of the birth canal. So let's yeah. not make them obese, please. Keep them to that really good 
middle of the range body condition score. You know, um, don't worry about the amount of nutrients that get through to the pup. Nature takes care of that. Okay, they really will, you know, strip out. As long as you haven't left the bits deficient, then they really will strip out what they need. Yeah. I like the I like the variation tip because I love saying this bit. Um there's lots of studies in rats and uh what was the other one? I can't remember, where when you vary the diet in, in the in the in the bitch, the pups come out and will eat a more varied diet. You can spray apple in the air and the pups will come out fighting over the apple painted nipples. So when you want a dog to eat whatever you want later in life, it actually begins with the mother. So variation not only helps you balance the vitamin and minerals that come up and down in nature, nothing comes evenly like dry food, um, you know. So you vary things up to make sure you hit all these and you, you pick your, your best quality meat. Now's the best time to put in your organic meats, iron omega-3, game meat if you can, if you like it. Um, now's a good time to separate out your meats a little bit and say, what do you like, buddy? My intensity rate kicking on the bone isn't going down too well, perhaps. So isn't that a good time to offer the dog and give a little bit of variation? Uh, but I do like the variation idea. I like pups coming out having been given this uh, varied diet in the first eight weeks of life, probably the first 12 weeks of life. You've got to vary the diet a good bit in the pup. Then they, they're, they're wired onto that for the rest of their life. They knew this since 1967. Somebody had 100 chow chow pups. I've said this before. And they reared, like, you know, 33% of them as vegetarians, 33% of them as meat eaters, 33% of them a mixed diet. And the vegetarians grew up as vegetarians and wouldn't eat anything else. The meat eaters grew up as meat eaters, wouldn't eat anything else. And the mixed guys would eat bloody anything. And so this is the problem vegetarians and vegans have and the people that make vegan, vegetarian-based dry food. Not mentioning any companies in particular that are doing a ferocious amount of advertising and, and, and uh, give it a creep at the moment. But uh, they say that their the pets love this food. And I'd say, well, you know, if you're reared on, on vegetable matter, you will eat that later in life. So it begins in the, in the, in the womb. So varying up the diet, Brent, what about, you mentioned a, bit, a little bit about supplementation. Uh, back in the day, like you definitely hear this all the time of, um, of calcium coming up and, and people recommending calcium and this kind of, where are we with bones and calcium, pregnant bitch, watching all those levels? Up? So the, the key thing is knowing that um, the supplementation with effectively ionic calcium. So these are inorganic sources uh, maybe calcium carbonate ground up into powders and actually delivered into the food um, can make massive differences. And if you think you're doing them any favors by sprinkling an extra spoonful on their diet as they're coming into uh, the end of their uh, gestational period, um, you probably are just causing some other issues. And actually, if you then do that and carry that forward into um, the puppy's food when they wean, Again, if you're over-supplementing, that can cause deformities. And it was a massive issue when people changed to this complete ideal in the um, early 90s, and people continued to supplement um, uh, in at that point. And I think what we need to understand is actually the body's hormones and how it digests the protein matrix around the uh, calcium and phosphorus salts within bones uh, that are taken in and ingested is such that actually the, the relative stability of their calcium levels can be maintained beautifully just by making sure they've got ground bone in their food, you know, digesting that matrix and actually absorbing the calcium as they need it so that they're keeping their bones, you know, uh, reservoirs popped up is more than sufficient for, you know, the, the bitches. The issues that come about is if we, we start to 
have other diseases going on, uh, things that will almost be deficient in calcium, and they've beached their bones of adequate levels of, of calcium, or they have diseases which are affecting the amounts of vitamin D uh, that are in the system that are balancing those calcium levels out. Things like eclampsia that you mentioned earlier you know, can, can really be a um, consequence of other diseases rather than necessarily purely calcium. Um, yeah. And so, yes, of course, have adequate amounts of ground bone into the food, okay? You don't need to go to excess. Certainly shouldn't need to be supplementing. If you're really worried because you're um, the, the queen that you're breeding with, a history of issues with other diseases, then absolutely you should be monitoring uh, their calcium levels. Um, you know, and certainly obesity can come into that as well. But as I said earlier, you don't really want to be breeding with obese animals that yeah. can cause yeah. its own problems uh, alongside diabetes, um, uh, alongside uh, the, these um, other vitamin excesses or, or yeah. deficiencies. Um, Somebody's put up on, on the, the questions, that, and I froze it just there to, to say, you know, nutritional management says that the mum's body is not metabolically primed to mobilize calcium from her bones. Therefore, when the demands of for calcium are suddenly and dramatically elevated in the initiation of lactation, uh, she is unable to keep up with the metabolic demands. Do you know what? That's a sick job because pregnancy is not an illness. Pregnancy is, you know, one of the primary things that we do through life, okay, is to replicate. And can you imagine the evolutionary nightmare yeah. if you've created a being that cannot cope with feeding its offspring? Yeah. You know, you've just yeah. created a species that's going to descend into the depths of not reproducing yeah. and becoming extinct. Somebody has seen, well, yeah, if you feed them the wrong stuff, you will switch off their system, and then they're not metabolically primed to actually produce enough calcium when they're lactating. I think what we've got to do here is actually, you know, you want the body in balance. You want them to have good working hormonal levels, which are then able to cope with the fact that they're then going to start lactating. Okay? Yeah. So I think they've Unfortunately, yeah, you will sell supplements this way. You will sell sickness this way. But let's face it, really, we should be looking at, um, you know, pregnancy as being within the peak of health. You know, mm. this is one of those yeah. prime directives, if you yeah. like, of being alive. So I'm going to round up, I think, just, you know, for those that are maybe new to it, those that just want to know a little bit more, I, I just wanted to sort of, again, reiterate, reassure that actually um, the, the general schema for this is that as you go through the trimesters, um, by all means split it into the two that Fediaf does, you need to increase probably by up to a third, okay? And you will not be able to do that in one go. You will need to do that in multiple small meals because as the puppies take space within the abdomen, they're not gonna wanna tolerate big, huge meals. Um, and you need to think about um, really just how they're going to take that good, wholesome foods on, okay? Um, give that variety, uh, increase the omegas, um, 
make sure there's some organ meat access for the vitamin D folates, okay? And hopefully then we'll have non-obese bitches that are able to regulate their own calcium levels to the degree of producing milk. And then once the puppies are born, continue to feed that. I wanted to mention very briefly the importance about microbiome. Passing on the microbiome to these puppies is so important. Now, normally that will happen if they pass out of the normal birth canal, okay? Um, they will get some of that fecal contamination that will be passed into them with all of the muck and juices that come out um, uh, in all of that, uh, that process. However, uh, and also from mum's teats, and, and that, that will be passed on. However, if they're delivered by cesarean and mums are given antibiotics, it can have a massive influence on the level of population of um, good gut flora within the puppies. So please think about good probiotics, okay? Even using some autogenous probiotic material made from mum, okay? Uh, and then effectively fed back into the pup. Obviously, that's not good if your mum's suffering from uh, some illness of some description, but it is a way of, you know, it's something that they would naturally be doing. Um, and the antibodies produced in mum's milk will be taking care of you know, any aberrant pathogenic uh, that are detected. Do you mean so mum's poo? Do you mean mum's poo? Like, yeah. Okay, so you can, you can mash that up, that. make it in. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, they can take wow. that at this point. There's not a great deal of stomach acid going into the pup, so they'll, they'll take those probiotics. For those that are particularly squeamish about that, they can yeah, get pre-made uh, probiotics. Oh. And mum yeah. knows best. You know, there's yeah. there is this level of her environment is what she's been brought, brought up in. That's you know undeveloped in. You know, passing that yeah. on to her pup is actually part of that genetic material pass on. Okay, yeah. and so that's that's something to be encouraged in many of those situations. Somebody said about worming in pups. Friend, uh, what's the story mm. there? Why, why, what's going so, on? How do pups get born of worms? Does that happen? Uh, so, Tokakara, okay, particularly for both cats and dogs, are passed across the placenta and also in the first milk. So, those larvae actually pass across at that stage and then sequester into the muscles of the pup. Okay, if they don't get produced directly into the gut, they will sit there hibernating, waiting for the pup immune systems to get stressed and then they'll come out and they'll pass through the normal pathways. That can happen years later. So people ask me all the time, well, I, you know, why has my puppy got these worms? Where have they come from? Most of the time for top car, it's not from scavenging in the park. No. This is from mum's milk, okay? Wow. These larvae sit hibernating in the muscles of, the, of your puppy, okay? For years and years and years till their immune system dips, some other illness takes effect and then those larvae migrate back through, they pass up through uh, the lungs and cough up, swallowed, sit into the, the intestine and grow into adults producing eggs. I would say, test mum, you know, worm egg count mum. If she's negative, okay, and you're doing really well, she's negative, that's great. There is an element of her sequestered larvae that are hibernating, are the ones which are actually migrating into the puppy, okay? They're shifting because her immune system will be lowered during yeah. pregnancy. So they start to mobilize and find their way to other areas. Nice. That's how they can pass across. 
So it's not foolproof. So I definitely would then say be testing the puppies when they come out. Fecal egg count, there's a few online options. There's some vets that do it. You know, worm egg count is just one of many. Um, and get those tests done. And that way you can look at, you know, is that appropriate worming? Some people yeah. will use the various herbal wormers, okay? And that's certainly a choice to make, but still be testing. But certainly if you've found that your the mum has been negative for the majority of pregnancy and, and before, then there's less likely to be a heavy worm burden when it comes to So a couple of checks on mum, start and end. Send off a couple of yeah. worms and just to put your mind at ease. And that should get you through the first few weeks of, of puppyhood. And then you can start your natural wormers, which are usually quite simple, like um, ground up pumpkin seeds are uh, are just fantastic. It grind organic pumpkin seeds are EU sourced pumpkin seeds, not not anywhere further than that. Styrian pumpkin seeds don't have the, the shell on the outside. Uh, and the shell the dog won't be able to handle. So um that definitely might tip the Styrian pumpkin seeds or a tiny little bit of garlic when the pup is a little bit older. Uh, so that's the that there was one other question there, Bren. Um damn I can't remember what it is. Somebody just made a great point there. I just want to just want to come back to a point there. Uh, Shani who's raised a couple of litters there and she's found that um the young dog does not like vegetables and fruits so much, but during pregnancy and lactation, she really wanted them. So I forgot to mention fruits and veg. Yeah, like this is definitely something I've overlooked. Like there's gonna be easy energy in a little bit of fruit. Uh, there's gonna be bioactive compounds, antioxidants, all sorts of stuff. So talk about easy energy. If it's just about increasing calorie content and there's a and there's a something juicy that likes a little bit of banana, try those things. If your dog wants to take them, she's no dummy, you know. So and and same with the veg as well. Uh, you know, you're now again you're try your little palette of different types of veg. What sort of veg do you want? You know, nobody likes Brussels sprouts, but you're gonna try a little bit of kale. No, I don't want that. I'll have the carrot this time. Okay, have the carrot. So good time to get tasting plates going. Lots of people are into them. You'll see them go a little herb yeah. garden. You know, little sort of boxes of plants yeah. to, for them to yeah. munch on, you know, just nice. uh, getting out there. That's, that's also a, a good thing. They, they will self-select some herbs. But, you know, they're not really able to open up that vegetable matter and release all of that herbage. So I would definitely say that your mainstay is going to be good, you know, meat-based diets uh, for dogs and cats. So uh, I think we got through that, Brent. Pretty, pretty good. We could do a whole day on <laughs> breeding and food and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know there was that much in it actually. And actually, this second bit, as he said, Kelly's research there on the human stuff is interesting. This is where the studies are being done, and you can bet you that ultra-processed food is having finger pointed. The fingers pointed at ultra-processed food. You know, a lot of things in in mums. So I'm going to do a job on that uh, and write it up and I'll put it up on Patreon. For the moment, a couple of studies that people are asking about the heavy metals things, I'll put that straight up on Facebook so I'll get maximum coverage. Don't you worry about that. All right. Brilliant. Take Sounds care, guys. Cheers, guys. Good to see you all commenting. No, no. <laughs> Blah, 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 blah,